everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the I'm Not A Runner podcast. Um, before we get started, I just want to give a little disclaimer about everything we're going to talk about in this episode. Pain is incredibly complex and we don't fully understand it yet. This episode is designed to begin the conversation about what pain is and hopefully give everyone a bit more of an understanding of how it works and how it affects our running. If you're in pain, definitely see someone like an exercise physiologist, podiatrist or other health professional and preferably someone who runs themselves. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the I'm Not A Runner podcast. Today I'm here with Jack Jevonshire and we're going to be talking about something very close to our hearts, something we've been, we've, we've learned through uni and are very quite passionate about. Um, and what that is, is, is pain because we've seen a lot of people don't quite understand what pain is and that's pretty unhelpful and, and knowing more about pain can actually be a really good thing for you. So first of all, before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, um, Jack, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and, and why you're so passionate about this kind of area of exercise physiology? Yeah, sure. Um, hey guys, um, I'm Jack and I guess, you know, I'm a uni student, um, same with Harrison. We do um, exercise physiology together um, in fourth year at the moment and I guess pain science is it was something we sort of got taught last year um, and it, I just thought it was really interesting, this whole idea about, you know, how pain's actually caused and how, it, you know, it's individualized to each person and just there's lots of research and there's lots of things happening in that field that, because, you know, people have pains on a daily basis. I think everyone at some point in their life deals with pain and learning how we can help people with that just seems really cool. Mm. And things like lower back pain are extremely prevalent, I think. It's one of the highest burdens of disease worldwide is, is lower back pain. Yeah. Um, and, and like even there, I could, I could pull up a quote, um, 90 to 95% of cases of low back pain, there's no single anatomical cause they've found in research. So mm. it, it's even that, like just bring up that topic. It's just there's so many little things we could talk <laughs> about here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll try and just use a language that's a little bit simpler so we don't get everyone confused the whole medical terminology. Um, so what Jack was just saying there is is 90% of back pain isn't because there's something wrong with your back. Mm. It, it's due to your perceptions of pain um, and the, the more of the kind of brain functioning around that rather than, you know, something being wrong with a disc or something else. I think we'll touch on back pain a little bit as well um, because that's something we study a lot and is, as Jack said, really, really common. So... Yeah, I think without further ado, we'll, we'll get into it and hopefully don't bore you all with the <laughs> all the pain kind of, yeah, the interesting world of pain science. So, Jack, do you want to tell us a bit about what pain is? Well, um, that, quite a broad question, <laughs> quite <laughs> yeah. a big thing. Um, you know, pain is, it's a um, sensation that you get um, and it's generated by your brain in the most basic way, I guess. Um, so, you know, you touch a hot pan, you your finger on a um on a pin um and you get a sensation going up to your brain um and then your brain gives you a pain signal mm. um so y you don't get pain going up from your finger up to your brain do you you get some sort of sensation what yeah talk to me about that so that's that's one thing there is so yes you pin, pin your finger you don't get a pain signal um there's actually no you actually get just a, a receptor or you get a thing picking it up picking up the sensation and then that goes up to your brain and then your brain is where pain is created essentially. Mm. And so pain's created to, to help us because obviously if we're touching something hot or pricking our finger, 
we we don't want our finger to just keep being on that because that'll lead to more damage. So the what you're saying is the brain produces pain, so we so we move away from that and get get away from that stimulus which our brain perceives as being harmful. Exactly. And so that's where pain comes in almost as a, a protector. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the I don't know, um, when we were evolving as humans, that would have been telling us, hey, you know, don't walk on that. That's a sharp rock. You're going to cut your foot. Mm. Um, And it's almost a protective thing. You step on that and it hurts and you pull yourself back from it. Um, And that's sort of where pain lies in, um, in the most basic sense, I guess. Yeah, so pain's a protective mechanism. I think that's, even that's going to be surprising to most people, I think, because I think most people will will see pain as being something bad and harmful mm-hmm. because obviously it's quite unpleasant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even just knowing that it's a protector can be really helpful in understanding, you know, if you've got any pain, understanding a bit more about that. Um, and I think I'll put a little disclaimer about what we're talking about. So pain, it, when, when we refer to pain, we're generally going to talk about chronic pain. Um, in, when we get later on in the episode talking about injuries and kind of beliefs about that. So with, with acute pain so and acute injuries, typically we know that the pain kind of, the amount of pain you're getting is generally quite well related to the level of injury. But as time goes on, do you want to tell us what happens there? Yeah, so when things go on, we, we sort of, you know, you're getting this protective response from your brain Um but what happens over time is we, we like to use the analogy of almost like a car alarm. Um, so, you know, you might, let's say you've hurt your knee um, and every time you, you straighten your leg out, you get a bit of a pain. And so your body's telling you, hey, don't do that. We're trying to protect your knee. We're not going to straighten our leg because that hurts. That's, that's causing damage. Um, and, you know, that, that might be you've done something to your knee. Um, but what can happen is over time, let's say you've rested your knee um, and it's been maybe a month or so and then you go to straighten your leg again. Um, you might still get that same pain signal, but actually, you know, your knee might not be as bad as it was that month before Mm. um, because you've sort of rested it for a month. Um, And so that's where things almost go wrong, where your brain almost keeps this alarm system going, this protective system going, following from from an injury. Um, And that's where things can start to go wrong. And that's where, like Harrison, you've mentioned, going into chronic pain, having this alarm system where you're getting these you know, straighten the leg, that sends up to the brain, don't do that. The brain almost learns every time you straighten your leg, I'm going to send a pain signal. And it sort of almost does it, it becomes like a circuit, you could say, or like an alarm. And sometimes they use the analogy of that car alarm. You know, you open the car door, the alarm goes off. Then, you know, the system can become quite sensitive. You know, a gust of wind blows over the car and the car alarm goes off. So nothing's actually happening. No one's stealing your car. Um, but a gust of wind has caused this system to turn on Mm. and that's almost sort of what happens when you've got chronic pain so you know you straighten your leg and nothing might really be going on there anymore you've actually healed but the brain's going no that's a bad thing we're going to send an alarm yeah it begins to associate all these other things except almost everything else but what happens actually at the tissue with the damage um, with that pain so I know myself, I've had some pretty bad knee injuries and mm. which I think we're going to get to in another episode, but I, I've i noticed myself that I'm quite uh, like fear avoidant of, of doing certain movements that mm. I know in the past have hurt, even though they may not hurt right now because, you know, the expected healing time of, of most tissues is, you know, 
two to three months. Mm. So, you know, a bone, you think that's a pretty slow thing to heal. Mm. About six weeks generally. Um, so most times after three months, which is where kind of the chronic pain starts, you you begin to focus less on what's going on at the tissue. Mm. And this is when you transition to see an exercise physiologist typically because a physio is great at working with the tissues and they're also great with these pain beliefs. But as soon as you get into the more chronic stage, that's more our scope of practice. Mm-hmm. And and that's why we have to have such an understanding of all these kind of psychological um, kind of manifestations of pain. And I think what you said was really good about if you've had a knee injury and then you rest it for a month, which is pretty common advice. Mm. Um, or, you know, even if you're a running injury, say you, you, you got um, an ITB issue or, mm, yeah. or whatever it is um, and you give it complete rest, not only is there the load kind of aspects of it, which means your tissues get weaker, that's a whole other aspect which we talked about with Phil a few mm. episodes ago. So there's also the fact that since you're not using it, your, ba- your brain doesn't isn't able to kind of realize that it's getting better because you're not using it Mm. so this is why avoidance is is generally not the best thing to do and why complete rest as i'm sure some people still recommend isn't ideal most of the time because the more you use something and this is why active recovery is really really helpful Mm. is because the more you use something the more reliable your brain gets at interpreting what's actually going on down in your knee for example so do you want to talk just a little bit more about that, Jack? That whole kind of how the brain interprets what's going on down with the tissue. Yeah, and I think on that as well, it's important to note sort of on this how, you know, as, as pain is ongoing, we get this alarm, this car alarm system, um, and the it, we sort of heighten and that sort of whole thing. Um, I think on that, it's important to know that pain is, you know, quite individualized um, mm. and it, it's on depends on, on, on you and what's going on, your beliefs, you know, other stresses, is a history of pain um, and all these sort of different factors that come into it. And I think on that, like Harrison was mentioning, there's trying to get around how to, you know, treat your pain and you've got chronic pain, you've got ITB issues from running, you're resting, you're not moving. And I think, yeah, like you've sort of talked about, active recovery is important, but it's also down to the individual and how... Mm looking at what's going on with you and how we can sort of get you moving again and get that working again, um, I think it's important. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why it's really important to, to see someone about this is mm. is don't try and get through these things alone because yes. that makes it a lot harder. Definitely. Um, and there's, there's a few studies out there that actually say that the most important thing at, uh, in curing con- chronic pain and helping it is is actually um, how how you talk about it with people. Um, and and just psychological techniques, mm. which I think we're going to touch on, can without even doing anything to your body, can actually help with like reduce your pain, which seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's like what? <laughs> and obviously, this isn't relevant to every injury. Mm. Um, you know, mo- a lot of running injuries are acute, and they go away pretty quickly. Um, but sometimes they do persist, and that's the kind of pain we're talking about. We're not talking about your if you've strained your hamstring or torn a muscle or, um, you know, have Achilles tendinopathy, plantar, mm. plantar fasciopathy, anything like that. Um, we're talking about when, when pain's been going on for greater than three months yeah, and, and when it's persisting past the expected tissue healing time, mm. which as I said before, is about, about three months. So try not to take everything 
we're saying and extrapolate it to all all injuries because yeah. it just doesn't hold true. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a good place to talk about um, something called the Twins Peak Twin Peaks model, mm-hmm, which uh, I I'm quite like I quite like. Um, it's it's essentially if you imagine a mountain, right? Um, and at the top of the mountain is where your tissue's going to break. So say it's your hamstring or your calf. Um, this top of the mountain is the amount of load you need to put your tissue under before it snaps, essentially. And what happens is pain normally is like 10% down the mountain, you know. So if you're climbing it, you've still got a little bit of way to go to the top, but you can see it. So you're pretty close. And then after that, um, oh, that's normal pain. Sorry. So... That's, you know, because pain's protective, as we were saying before. So, pain comes in preventing you tearing a muscle, essentially. Yeah, right. So, you're, 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 are you close to the, the peak of the mountain in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. So, you get the pain and it's saying, hey, just stop right before we get an injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't, obviously, our body doesn't want us to get injured. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the one thing our body doesn't want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how it happens normally mm-hmm. when everything's going well. Yeah. So... What can happen with chronic pain and, and when pain's been persisting for quite a while and, you know, you start to be a bit nervous about your pain, worried about how it's going and, you know, you start feeling it more and more frequently, um, even when you're not doing anything particular. Um, like I've, I've experienced a lot with my knee and what happens is you get this other mountain. So you've still got the, the tissue load is still going to break right at the top, right? You know, that doesn't change. Um, but what does happen is that point where the pain comes in gets a lot lower down. So, you know, maybe halfway down the mountain. Mm. And what this does is it is it starts to get oversensitive. Like Jack was saying with the car alarm, mm. is it gets oversensitive to the amount of damage it thinks that's going to occur. So, mm. it, it, it comes on earlier. So, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think on that, that's what's in a lot of cases stopping people from being, you know, recovering a bit more, getting mm. into it. They, they're... It's and it's it's hard. Um, you know, um, I work in the in the shop with you at Running yep. Science, and you, you know, you can he- you hear people and yourself. You know, you might go for a run, and you've had something going on for a few months, and you know, it, you just feel that pain straight away. Mm. Um, and it's just, I think, impo- it's powerful to even like using that example. You've got, you know, you might be getting that pain quite early, and no, you're not. You're probably not going to get injured going on that run. Mm. Um, and that's important to know, I think is, you know, you're not going to get injured. Um, and that pain is come, might just be coming on a bit early. Um, yeah, because it's oversensitive. Exactly. Um, and, and it's, it's trying to protect you, but sometimes it tries to protect you too much. Exactly. And, and actually it's protection can be quite negative because it means you stop doing everything. Exactly. And then it actually progressively gets worse and worse and worse. As we were saying before, how it becomes less reliable, Mm. um, the signal. Yeah. When you don't use something as much. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, as you mentioned, you know, if, if pain starts on, you know, early on on a run, like I'm, I'm about a month away from starting running again. I'm just starting my plyometrics, mm. which is really exciting because yeah, it's awesome. been six months. Um, but I started skipping yesterday and as soon as I started skipping, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah, you can feel it. I just start to feel it. And so I think... Paulina mentioned it in our last episode. Um, uh, I was thinking about a pain scale. So, mm. you know, you've got the lower couple of two or three where it's, you know, mild pain. It's it's not too sharp. It's not it's not aching. It's it's not too bad. Um, it's just there. So like a two or three out of ten sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and, okay. it, and it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable. 
you know. Yeah. It, it and uh, as I was skipping, it it kind of stayed there, which mm. I was like, you know, that's okay. I I understand what's going on. Yeah. So I can skip through this because it's just my brain getting more reliable at telling me what's actually going on at my knee. Exactly. And that's that's a good good scenario essentially because often when you're coming back from a long term injury like I am, um, two surgeries later, <laughs> um, mm. you you get very um, yeah, you get very oversensitive and worried about what's oh, yeah. going on and you want to get back into doing everything love. So it's about just pushing through that little bit of pain mm. because that's, as I said before, just your brain kind yeah. of recalibrating itself. Yeah. And I think it's like changing your mindset as well. Um, and th- a lot of the study shows around chronic pain is if you can sort of educate someone on what's going on and, you know, hey, this is this twin peak, we're using the mountain here. Um, you know, you're not going to get injured. That's at the top of the mountain, mm. but you're feeling it down the bottom. Yeah, and like 10% w- up it. Yeah, and what we want to do is we want to sort of push yourself higher up the mountain so, you know, we can climb up halfway and feel nothing before we get pain. And then mm. maybe in this time we can go three quarters of the way up without feeling pain. Yeah. Um, I think in the case of your knee, because you've, you know, we study this and we love this sort of stuff, you, yeah. you're going, oh, you know what? I know I can feel this and that's good because it's t- my body's picking up on it. Yeah. But I'm not telling myself, oh, it's all in my head. Um, I think that's a big thing as well. Um, mm-hmm. We don't want to tell you, oh, it's all in your head. Just toughen up. Just toughen like, up, <laughs> sucking up. Just push through it. Yeah, just push it's, through it all. it's just a bit of pain. Don't worry. It's yeah. more about going, okay, I'm feeling this. Like I think you mentioned that rating it out of 10 is a good way of mm-hmm. going, okay, that's a two out of three and it, it didn't increase. Um, did, it, did it increase the day after when I was resting? Did it feel better before or after I exercised? You yep. can use a few different measures there, but... Looking at that, you can sort of give yourself almost putting it on a scale, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and going, this isn't because pain can sometimes be just this huge thing. It's going mm. on in my neck. It's going on my back. It's going on my knee. There's so many different things happening and it, it can be quite overwhelming. Mm. If you can quantify it almost and go, today was a two out of 10. I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe tomorrow my run, you know, I'll see how I go again. Oh, my run was a, a three out of 10. Okay, that, that was all right. I didn't push mm. it too hard. And yeah. then you just continue that. And then yeah. I went for a, a two-hour run a month later and it was a three out of 10 again. Awesome. Yeah. And pain's very much the same thing. And I know Fletch loves saying this all the time is if it's not getting worse, it's getting better. Exactly. So as Jackie was saying, if you, if you start doing more and more and more um, very slowly, as Phil and I were talking about mm-hmm. the load management and, and as Jack was saying just then, you know, grade things up very slowly. Um, and your pain is staying around the same, you know, even if it's a one or a two out of 10, then that's good. If you can run a marathon with one or two out of 10 pain, then I think that's a pretty good outcome. Yeah. And I, you know, I've actually been told by countless surgeons that, you know, you may never be pain free again. Exactly. Which initially I was like far out. Yeah. I'm going to have this the rest of my life. I'm I'm not going to be able to run because I have pain. But then I kind of thought about it. And since I've studied all this, I understand it all. Mm. Um, And I thought, you know, a one or two out of 10, it's just something in the back of your mind. And Mm. the more you understand that it's not actually going to be causing you damage, Mm. then the the more and more that pain might actually go away. Yeah. So I'm actually not sure if that was the surgeon trying to, to convince, to tell me that and, have that me prepared for that, but then I get less worried about it. So the pain might may actually go away. Yeah. I think it's also important. It's like setting expectations almost. Mm. Um, you know, um, some people even come into the shop and they've got a bit of a pain going on and 
sometimes we like to set expectations and go, hey, um, it sounds like there's a few things happening here and a lot like pain, you know, with pain in general, it's often not just one thing causing it. Like we yep. said, it's not just your knee joint that's sore now. You've had it for three months. Mm. There might be a few things. It might be your brain's sensitive. Yep. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, set an expectation. Sometimes, like you said, you can't live pain-free, but mm. the evidence shows if we can educate someone on why this is happening in your body, it's almost like I'm feeling that pain, but I know what's happening in my body yeah. and I'm okay with that. And it's, I think it's also, uh, I think to touch on would be, you know, s- perceived safety. How safe mm. do we feel? Dim Sims. Yeah. D- <laughs> Dim Sims. I think, yeah, you should touch on that. Um, I'll, let, I'll let you do it. No, no, you, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dims and Sims. So Dims is, is danger in me and it's, it's how much danger you, you perceive your body is in. So Say you're going for a run and then all of a sudden your knee kind of clicks and you're like, oh, that was a bit odd. And then mm. it just hurts a little bit after that. Um, say if you didn't have, know anyone else who had had, some knee, had any knee injuries or you didn't know people who had been running and had really bad knees, then you may think nothing of it. You may, oh, okay, that's a little bit sore, but you know, nothing to worry about. I'll just keep going um, because you know, it's not too bad. So you've got quite a low sense of perceived danger, which is good. And that pain generally wouldn't get much worse. Um, but when it becomes quite problematic is when you get, you, say, your dad used to run heaps or your mum used to run a lot and or you know everyone in your family has had really bad knees. Um, like Sophie, one of our friends, she uh, mm. I'm helping her with her running at the moment and she was saying, you know, I've got knee pain, but all my family has it. So it's normal. Like it's just something I've got. Mm. And that's a sense that gives her a higher sense of perceived danger because she sees all of everyone around her having problems, problems with their knees. Yeah. So she thinks, oh no, I'm going to have problems with my knees. It's going to hurt. Yeah. So that ramp, that amps up that car alarm. Yeah, exactly. And it gets more sensitive because you think you're more likely to be in danger. Yeah. Whereas what you want is more things of perceived safety, which mm. is the Sims part of the dim Sims. Mm. So perceived safety is... You know, like, oh, I can feel a bit of a niggle, but, you know, it's fine. I haven't had this before. Um, or if I have, I got through it and it was not a problem. And, you know, oh, maybe, yeah. I think that's probably the best explanation I can give yeah, for it. Yeah, or, or you could say for, with Sophie, sorry to bring you up, Sophie, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's telling them, oh, I know your, your dad might have had a few problems with his knees or your family, um, but if we can manage it and keep it to a controllable level, I don't think we're going to get a knee injury yeah. from this. Yeah, I think running's actually really good for you. Yeah, that, and that, that's and it's just using even sometimes we we like to say it even in the shop to Fletch, um, and we've sort of been me and you have trying to get this onto some of the team members as well yeah. using safe language as well. Yeah, when someone comes in and goes, oh, I've had a bit of a calf issue or my knee, um, it's just in, encouraging them to to keep active. Yeah, um, and obviously we don't want them to injure themselves, but using safe language and going. You know, at the end of the day, if you just go for a walk, that's going to be it's going to be safe. It's going to be a good thing for you. Yeah. Um. You know, your joints like moving. Muscles um, love movement. Muscles love movement. This safe sort of words that sort of and uh, it you know it can almost make you feel better about it. It increases those sims. It yeah. increases the sense of safety. Yeah. Um. And I think so often people come in and say, oh, you know, my knees are screwed. Like I've worn them out. Yeah. Um. For like thirty years of running. Mm. Um. And. And that kind of language and, and the sense that you feel like your knees have, have worn mm. and, and are damaged because you've been running mm. is actually more likely to foster 
high, high levels of pain yeah. because you believe you're doing damage to your knees. Mm. And so you, that's what your brain perceives. So it's going to amp the pain up to get more protective. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost as well, I don't know if people have heard about, you know, phantom limb pain. Mm. That's just a, a, a clear-cut way you can sort of explain how pain works. You don't have a limb um, or it's been detached. It's amputated, amputated or whatever. Or, or whatever's happened, but yet you can still sense as if you've got, you know, you're, you're wiggling your toes or there's a pain shooting up there. Mm. And that's just showing you how your body can create something out of nothing almost. Yeah, and that's... And that's what um, some chronic pain is. Mm. It, it's because, as we said, the tissues have healed after three months, mm. but the the pain persists, mm. and it's because your body is is creating the pain, or mm. your brain is p- creating the pain, and projecting it onto your body. Essentially, yeah. it's not your body producing the pain and sending it to your brain. Yeah, um, I think that's a really important distinction to understand. Is that there, there are no pain signals, as Jack was mentioning earlier. There there are only danger signals. Mm. So the more you think you're in danger, the higher the, the pain output is going to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one thing I really want to stress is that running is actually good for your knees, mm. um, especially in terms of osteoarthritis, which mm. is, I think, the really big common factor that people get worried about when they run Yeah. Um, and experience a little bit of knee pain mm. is, is that they're wearing out their knees. Yeah. But there's a lot of studies. There's actually a recent one, I think it was 2019, that showed that people who ran, um, even people who ran just 10Ks a week, had lower rates of knee osteoarthritis than people who were inactive. Yeah. And I think that sums up why, <laughs> how, how running is actually good and that, you know, not running isn't actually going to be more beneficial for your knees. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I think what we should sort of get into next and now, I think, is also then strategies. Yeah. So, so we know now, we've sort of opened it up that pain is caused by all sorts of different things. Um, You know, there's physical factors, you know, you've had a knee injury before, Um, you know, you've got tight hammies, you've got, you know, a few things, you've rolled your ankle before. Um, Your family's got a history of knee pain. Yeah. And so that's another one, you know, then there's the the social. So maybe your family, like you've just mentioned, have have a history of knee pain or one of your friends really badly hurt his knees whilst doing a running race or cycling and, you know, when you start feeling pain in your knee, you think, what's going on there? Um, I think it's important to know that and understand that with all these factors, how do we then tell our brain, how do we make ourselves feel safer? How do we sort of dampen the pain signal mm. almost? And I increase think Increase the sims. Yeah, increase the sims, increase the safety in me. And I think that's something we probably should touch on now is almost some strategies and, and, and what, what is the research out there and what, what, what can we do to sort of, you know, if we we start running or we start exercising a bit more and doing something a bit different, I know in sort of these sort of times, everyone's trying to keep active in some way or another. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are doing things like running, which they haven't done before. Yeah. How can we, you know, how can they manage if they start feeling something? What's going on there? Should yeah. they just stop running? Should they push through? Yeah. Um, I think this harks back to um, the episode I did with Phil and, and load management first mm. and foremost, because mm. if you do overload your tissues by doing too much um, and you know that's increasing too much per week um, in terms of mileage um, so the amount of you're running or how hard you're running or you know all of the above mm. then that's that's probably the primary factor in mm. terms of if someone's just picked it up mm. but there's also the the belief side of it so as you kind of mentioned the biopsychosocial kind mm. of aspect of it all um, so the bio is the load side of it the biological mm. what's actually going on in your tissues 
And that's that's one aspect. So whereas most people think that's it. Yeah. It's all just about the load. It's like, oh, I went for a 20K run and it hurts now and there's nothing else going on. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, yes, that is part of it. Mm. But you can still dampen how much pain you're experiencing doing it with heaps of other techniques. So uh, I think psychological, the the biggest one is, is fear avoidance and, and catastrophizing. So mm. what fear avoidance is, is that, you know, say you go out for one run, you go out for a 5K run and all of a sudden your knees are sore afterwards and you think, oh no, running's bad for me. I shouldn't run. Yeah. Um, and then you don't run for another week. You're a classic case of this. You do <laughs> one run a month. One um, run a month, that's me. <laughs> so, you, and then you avoid it. Yeah. And then you kind of, all right, you build up the confidence again. You think, okay, no, I've had a rest and now I'm going to get back into it. Mm. And then do the same thing again. And all of a sudden it's sore again. Yeah. And then you may begin catastrophizing. Yeah. So what catastrophizing is, it's a big word, but what it, all it means is thinking that it's what, whatever's happening is really bad. Yeah. Um, and it's all about how, yeah, you, talk, you, you start thinking your knee is really bad and you're worried, oh no, maybe like, maybe I'm going to get arthritis early or, mm. you know, something, something really bad is going to happen. Like, oh, my dad, my dad got this, but n- now I'm going to get it as well, even though I'm 25 or 35. Mm. Um, you start worrying a lot more about it and that amps up the sense of danger within yourself mm. and, and lowers the safety. So that increases the output of pain. Yeah, and I think another one uh, I've had people, it, some people do it as well. Is you know you've got this knee thing going on, you're running, and then you get a scan, or you yeah, <laughs> I think you yeah, you're, Harrison's nodding at this yeah. one, but um, a lot of the time, you know, even going to see a doctor um, and saying, oh my knee's sore, um, getting a scan done, and mm. then you know there m- something might pop up on the scan that we we didn't know about and then all of a sudden you know you've got the the specialist the knee surgeon or you, you're talking to the, all these different experts and you're getting a lot of mixed messages yeah um you know something good it might be oh your knee's fine but it might you might have someone tell you oh mate i've never seen this before your knee looks really bad mm. and then that increases the danger yeah and you feel less safe yeah, just from getting a scan, like you haven't done anything. Yeah, to nothing's your changed. Knee. Yeah, y- you've had a slight niggle that you you're a little bit worried about. Um, and before this, you, you were running fine and nothing was a problem. Mm. And then you go and get a, an X-ray, and the doctor's like, "Oh, you know, there's all like there's extensive arthritis." Blah blah blah. blah. Mm. You see all these big weird medical terms, mm. um, and you get very worried about it. And I think that's one thing that I think we're both really kind of strongly recommend against is is don't always resort to getting a scan first because mm. um, as good as doctors are, and I think that's there's no better time to stress that than now God, yeah. um, because they're doing such amazing work. But a lot of GPs aren't specialists in musculoskeletal conditions. True. So things like knee arthritis, you know, they can prescribe the drugs for it, but they haven't, they generally don't have the same level of understanding yeah. about the, the, the overall mm, picture. Like they might not know, you know, how much running are you doing? They may not understand running at all. Yeah. Because they may not run themselves. Exactly. Um, and that's what Paulina and I were talking about is just, it's so important to, if you're running and you've got a running injury to see someone who is a runner themselves, mm. um, which, yeah, really, really important yeah. because they'll understand that, you know, you don't want to stop running mm. even though, you know, yes, that may get rid of your pain, but yeah. that's not what you want to do. Yeah. And I think that's where this whole thing and what we're talking about here is pain science and the education around that. But as exercise physiologists, that's something I think uh, that's why I'm passionate about it. I mm. want to, when I hear people going for a scan and they, they, they've been told by 
I don't know, a specialist that their knee is screwed and they shouldn't run again. Yeah. That just makes me almost upset in a way. Yeah. Um, but that, again, that can be a personal thing and not, I don't, I want a disclaimer that, that not everyone is going to have that outcome and, and yeah. not every specialist is going to say that. Yeah. Um, and, but then, and we're not also, we're also not saying that, you know, that just because you've had a scan doesn't mean you can continue running even if it does show something negative. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, there are reasons to stop running. Exactly. Hopefully I'm not one of them, but yeah, I, I may be. Because um, I was that exact person Jack's talking about. I, I had some scans and then showed up something not too good. Pretty bad, yeah. And and I got told I should never run again yeah. by, by count, like actually two surgeons. Yeah. Um, but that's when it comes back to the whole pain thing because the, the current surgeon I'm actually seeing who's done the surgeries... He, he said, you know, he actually said to me, like, let's stop looking at these scans. They're yeah. not helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't actually tell what's going on with them. Yeah. And I want to just work off how you're feeling. Yeah. And, and that's the most important thing because what does it matter if something shows up on a scan? Something that may even be a normal change. Mm. You know, like as we get older, um, one of your favorite quotes is, is wrinkles on the outside, uh, wrinkles on the inside. That's it, yeah. So as you're getting older, you know, things change and... And that isn't just, you know, on your skin where you get mm. wrinkles. It, it happens inside as well. You know, like there are some just normal degenerative changes which don't result in pain. It's mm. just normal. Yeah. Um, and that's like what Jack was saying earlier is, you know, you may go get a scan and something shows up that you weren't expecting. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't keep running because I think there was a great study the other, I think it was 2018, that showed that 37% of marathon runners had meniscal tears. Yeah, and, and like, most people is that in the knee or in the knee? Yeah, yeah sorry. Okay. So that's a little bit of um, a little flap of cartilage that's in the knee that cushions it. Yeah, okay. Um, and thanks for pulling me that up on that one. You're right, that's a good one. <laughs> um, and and it, all it does is yeah, a little bit of cushioning, but you know it's not too important. But sometimes if you get a meniscus tear, you think okay, surgery straight away. Yeah. But other times it can be quite minor, and mm. and as this study showed that these people had no knee pain at all but 37% had meniscus tears. Mm. Um, I can't remember how many had arthritis, but there was a number of them, Yeah. Um, even though they had no pain. Yeah, I think that's the same. There was another study that looked at, um, again, low back pain. Mm. Huge, huge thing. A lot of people get low back pain, sitting in chairs all day, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, inactive. Um, inactive lifting boxes all day, things like that, repetitive movement. But one study found they looked at the spines of, um, let's say someone age 50, um, a bunch of people in, in the sort of age bracket of age 50 um, and looked at their, did scans of their spine um, and they had two groups. So one group had low back pain and they had scans um, and then another group had no low back pain and had scans. And when they looked at the scans between them, the group that had low back pain and the group that didn't have low back pain, their scans were, the, were similar. Mm. So you could see, you know, some of the, everyone had arthritis in their spine some people had disc bulging. Some people had, you know, their cartilage was wearing out. Yeah. Um, they were, their discs were being compressed. compressed yeah. um, and that's a natural thing. Like we sort of said, wrinkles on the inside, wrinkles on the outside. Um, but it's interesting how, why does one group have the exact same spine as the other and one doesn't have pain, one does. Yeah. It's like, and what's going on there? Yeah. And that, that shows, it, it, yeah, it clearly demonstrates how it's not all about what's going on in your tissue. Yeah. So in your body, that's that's not necessarily... The answer. It's one factor. It's it's one factor. Yeah. Um, and and the longer the pain goes on, the the less of a, a, a factor it becomes almost. Yeah. And I think on that, it's you know your body better mm. than anyone else. Yeah. Even better than a scan does. Because yeah. uh, actually, the surgeon I had actually said that. He's like, mate, you understand this more than I do. Yeah. Because I'm going through it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a personal thing and that's why yeah. there's no... I think I want to stress this. There's no sing- single solution. Yes. Um, there's all sorts of tips um, and all sorts of... And again, the research is still... It's still developing. It's still yeah. developing. So we we don't have a cause for if we could fix pain, that would be we'd sweet. be multi billionaires. We'd be we'd be rich. <laughs> yeah. Um but we're still working on that. Yeah. But it's I think that's where it comes down to and a lot of the research is finding that it's very it's an individual thing. Mm. And you can't have one a treatment for one client that work for the other. Yeah. Same I think there's been a lot of research with medications and some of them work, some of them don't. Yeah. And it's just you could do that and it could fix it and then you don't have to worry about it. But yeah someone else might take that same medication and get no effect. Yeah. Um, so it's really down to you. And I think it's, you know, in the, in the case of a runner, when you're having these things going on, it's talking to someone who can educate you on what's going on, yep. but also give you strategies that work within what you do mm. and how you believe about pain and what's going on to family history, understanding what's happening. Yeah. Um, I think is huge. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff is is very, very important. And again, I just want to stress that this isn't for everyone. So this isn't for every single running injury. This isn't a problem. Mm. Um, it's more for the ones that are ongoing long-term and, mm. and we'd expect the tissues have healed. Yeah. So a lot of running injuries are overuse injuries. Mm. Um, and commonly, they just get happen from being doing too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably going to be more important in the like when they first start to hurt. Mm. It is, you know, yes, your tissues are just getting overloaded. If you're, you've been running the same amount for the past three months and you haven't increased anything, but the pain's still persisting, that's a pretty good indicator that something else going there's on. something else going on. It's not just your tissue. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to remember is, is this, isn't, this isn't guidance for everyone. Yeah. Um, there's 100%. a small section of, of what's going on there. Mm. I think another thing that's important, um, there's a... Um, a difference between your activity and your pain. Um, and a lot of time we have this sort of, we have two classes of people. Um, yeah, I think you know this one. Um, it's a good one. So there's persisters and avoiders. So it's another phrase of sort of introducing. Um, a lot of the time you can get someone, you know, we're talking about pain science. We're talking about how your brain cr- creates a protective signal. All right, so it's all in my head. All right, so when I go for the run next and my hip hurts or my foot hurts or my calf is sore, I'm just going to push through it because my brain's creating this signal. My tissues are fine. I'm just going to keep going. Mm. So they're going to do too much, like yep. you've said. Yep. And so it's almost your psychological belief, like I'm going to push through it. I'm a tough person. Yep. Um, you sometimes see it even in the shop. You get a lot of... Definitely. I don't want to say a lot of blokes, but you, you get a lot of different people. Typically who, males. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, you know, you can get a, a tradesman and they work, you know, on the site, they're lifting things. Oh, mate, I run through it. Um, it, it all depends. But again, you can get these persisters and they push yeah. through their pain. Yeah. Um, which you think, okay, right. That's, it's going to resolve. Sometimes it makes it worse because you're almost doing too much. Yeah. You're stressing your tissues and yeah. then you're getting more of those pain danger signals. Yeah. You're reinforcing that. Yes. Your body really is in danger. So yeah. it ramps that um, protective response up a lot more like tenfold to what it would have been if you, you know, slowed back down a little bit. Exactly. And the same thing is true with, with the load in the tissue mm. is if you just keep going through something that's sore, mm. it's, it's going to get worse because you're going to continue overloading it even further. Yeah. Um, and then there's the opposite, um, which is the other class. So we've got persister. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have the avoiders. So it's my knee hurts. I'm going to stop running. Mm. Saw the physio. I saw the doctor. I've got a scan. Yeah. That like, I've got to rest. I've got to not yeah. do this. Two months. Two, two months off yeah. or something like that. And then they're avoiding 
And so their knee or their calf is sitting there for two months doing not too much. Mm. And then they go for their first run and boom, it hurts. Yep. Same as two months ago. Yep. What the heck's going on? Or even worse sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it's just really... And so often what I'm trying to touch on here is there's a relationship between pain and how much activity you're doing. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that, you know, that using that three out of 10, that, that pain scale almost. And if you can quantify and put a number on what's going on and go, mm. okay, when I do a 10K run, I feel okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to push through and do more than that. I'm not going to persist and push through my pain because it's going to make it worse. Mm. I'm also not going to do nothing. Yeah. You want to find a happy medium between, happy medium. between too much and not enough because yeah. our brain as well as our tissues are both very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, that It's all on the principle of progressive overload, yeah. um, which is true for all activity and yeah. as well as pain. Mm-hmm. You know, It's called graded exposure. We want to gradually increase how much we're doing. Mm. Um, so f- I think I'm, I'm using me as an example, but it's because I'm right in the thick of it at the moment. Yeah. I'm really trying to ramp up. So I've just started doing some plyometrics. Yeah. Like you're not even running. It's been I'm how many running. months? It's been yeah. five months. Yeah. So you haven't ran yet. I haven't run. Yeah. I haven't actually run in seven months. Yeah. Um, cause I had two months off before the surgery. So I'm just starting to really ramp back up. Mm. And before I started doing plyometrics, when I started doing like really heavy squats mm. to, to start increasing the loading through my knee. Yeah. Uh, I felt great. Yeah. Because I was increasing at the right amount. Yeah. It's like um, you're giving your body a bit of time to, as well, you probably were doing those squats and then seeing how you felt after them mm, or yeah. during and going, that felt all right. I yeah. can do a bit more next week. Yeah. And, and I, I found I was I was able to increase quite a lot mm. because there wasn't too much load going through my knees then. Yeah. Um, whereas, and so I felt great because I was increasing at the right right amount. Yeah. But now I'm jumping into plyometrics, which is just jumping. Yeah. Um, and I started doing straight away some single leg kind of drops mm. and I got quite a sore knee and it wasn't in that two to three range. Mm. It was more in the five to six range. Yeah. A bit so I was in, like, yeah. oh, that's not quite good. Um, so what'd you do when that happened? So what I did is I just took a step back. Yeah. So I started doing double leg drops. Yeah. Okay. So instead of landing on one leg, you land on two. On two. Yeah. yeah. So I was putting less load through each knee. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I found the pain went back down to a two or three. It didn't go away, mm. but it dropped back down. So I was like, okay, that's going to be the right amount for me. Mm. And now I started. That was just a f- I did a few drops last week, mm. and now I'm skipping. So with a skipping rope. Yeah. So, it was so one leg. The speed. So it's still single. You sort of can as well skip on one leg. The other. Not quite yet. Okay. So I haven't even progressed a single leg yet. So we're still. We on still that. need to do it slowly. So that's there. You go. It's it, again. It's. Very individualized, and right? And paying attention to your own body because technically, if I follow the complete rehab plan to the T, ignoring mm. what I felt, I should have been doing those single legs last week. Yeah. But Very true. That's that's not necessarily always the best thing because mm. as Jack was saying and said throughout the whole episode is it's individual. You mm. know, nobody can predict what's going to happen with you. Exactly. Um, so, and, and you know your body best. Nobody else knows it better even though some people might tell you that. Mm. Um, so you need to listen to what's going on in your body and, and, and react appropriately. And hopefully, I think we're, we're coming to the end of this podcast and I hope that you you understand a bit more about how pain is working. Mm. And, and so like me, you can you can self-regulate a bit more. Yeah, and, it makes a bit more sense. And have it, the conversation with your physio or your podiatrist or whoever you're doing it with and, 
and, and talk about it and, and say, you know, like I, I feel a little bit of pain, but, you know, I know that's okay. And they're like, that's great. Um, or if you're in my scenario and did a little bit too much too soon because you're getting to be excited, you're like, oh, I'm almost running. Mm. Um, and, you know, your pain gets up to a five or a six, then they'll be like, okay, great. I'm glad you slowed it down. Um, and you prevent yourself being one of those persisters who mm. just pushes through it and gets it worse. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I've been saying, it's really important to speak to a professional about this mm. because it's a very tricky thing yeah. to deal with yourself. There's um, no single cause and th- yeah, yeah. There's, and there's no one fix. So, you know, the next best massage gun or a foam roller or, you know, some injection or whatever, it's not going to, there's not one thing that's going to fix it. Mm. Some things work for some people. Like yeah. I know a lot of people get cortisone injections for things and sometimes that works. Mm. But if your pain isn't to do with the tissue, you know, that might not work so well. So there's no one fix for everyone and you've really got to suss out what's going to be working for you. And 100%. I think that's, if there's nothing else you take away, I think the two things we want you to focus on is that, you know, pain is protective mm. and it's, it's a beneficial signal, but it can get ramped up sometimes. And you've just got to kind of push through a little bit of that uncomfortable pain, that one to two level, um, and, and keep going through that whilst the body readapts and gets more reliable. Uh, at signaling what's going on and then the other one is is get you know work through it with a professional mm. because it's a really tricky thing yeah. to do by yourself yeah you can almost say the three p's pain is protective it's personalized yeah and see a professional yeah. um <laughs> to like wrap it, it up like made that. it up on the fly yeah perfect yeah <laughs> um is there anything else you want to add anything else you want to stress um, to everyone that you think, think will help those are the key things and and one last thing to touch on maybe is you can use different strategies a lot. I think mm. we were talking about this before, um, mindfulness and, and meditation and there's other methods, you know, you might be starting running again. You you go for, you do 10 minutes of running and then you stop and you walk. Yeah. Um, and during that, you know, you, when you get hit 10 minutes, it's when your knee really flares up. And so yeah. you got to stop. Yeah. And you start walking you go, ow, my knee hurts. Doing something like maybe sitting down, doing a bit of breathing or a bit of, even distracting yourself, like maybe yeah. on a, you, when you, you run for 10 minutes, then you walk and then you just, I don't know, look around or, yeah. you know, have a phone call with someone or yeah. ch- change, change the context almost. Um, breathing helps as well. Yeah. Um, relax your body and then yeah. go, okay, I feel, I feel cool. And then you do another 10 minutes of running and yeah. it's almost, you're calming yourself down. And so yeah, a lot of meditation and that's what we're sort of saying. There's all sorts of methods. It's not just one thing it's not just one thing yeah um, I but i found that can help in my personal um i found just calming myself down before i do something again mm. can help yeah and i think there's actually someone who came into the shop the other day when we were both in who said she did this exact thing mm. you know she she would run for a couple of minutes and then uh, i think it was 15 minutes and then she'd sit down on a bench and, and meditate for 10 minutes yeah and then start back up again yeah and i was like wow that's I never really like I've, I've, we've, we've taught that these things work but you but never hear about it you never hear about people actually and doing if it if you saw that person doing that you'd be like what are you doing that's a bit weird yeah why don't you just, just why, why, why are you wasting time sitting down why don't you just keep walking finish um, the run or yeah whatever but that's what worked for her yeah um, and you know I don't know if she'd been educated on this sort of stuff but she had her own sort of strategies in her head that she knew worked yeah and they worked for her and which that, is all that matters and that, that's I think what's important it's it's personalised yeah it's down to the individual, yeah. but it's finding something that's working and changing your perception. Yeah. Um, a lot of P's have been dropped today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the pop field is working well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Mm. Um, I hope you all now know a little bit more about how pain works and, and that it's protective, mm. that pain is not something to be scared of and, and being scared of it can actually make it worse sometimes. So understanding a little bit more about how it all works, I think is going to be really beneficial for everyone. And, and that's what a lot of the research shows. So thank you for joining us, Jack. No worries. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks for taking your time out of your studying. Um, no worries. And yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. That's it for another episode of the I'm Not a Runner podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe on Apple or Spotify podcasts and leave us a review on either of those platforms. And as always, if you've got any questions or any ideas for episodes or anything you want us to talk about, let us know. And the ways you can do that are you can comment on our Facebook posts or Instagram, um, drop us a message on either of those platforms or send us an email at podcast at runningscience.com.au. Thanks a lot and I'll see you next time.